All right, hello everyone. We are back. We are the Yankee Clippers. Uh, I'm Tom. Sean's with me. So last week we finished off the podcast talking about Sean Miller and the NCAA. Um, Just wanted to send out a little bit more news on that. So basically it was bullshit. Of course it was. And we don't know anything. I mean, we all know they're cheating, but we don't know what they're doing. Right. Now he went out. He's going to coach the rest of the year. Um, he had a, like a four-minute presser about it, just saying that um, it was basically bullshit and that he never did any of this stuff and like talked in circles for four whole minutes. Um, and it's basically because ESPN didn't have any sources and they couldn't get their timeline straight. Yeah, I mean, I think what was interesting about this story, Tom, was the fact that it was an FBI investigation, not an NCAA. You know the NCAA is always going to protect their high-profile programs, especially at this time of the year when they're kind of the center of the sports world. So, um, It was just stupid because they couldn't even get their dates right. And now Sean Miller looks like a sympathetic figure when he's just as much of a scumbag as anybody else. And we all know where we both stand, which is I think the players should get paid, but he cheated. But now he's going to get away with it because ESPN ha- couldn't sit on a story so they could get some sources and get their facts straight. So now it is what it is. Let's just leave it at that. You know what we learned from ESPN about this? What? Stick to the NFL and stick to the NBA. And, and you're sucking good. LeBron off? Uh, yeah, Absolutely. basically. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, as for that, we pretty much <laughs> learned since the last pod that they're, we know they're all cheating, but we don't have any proof. Or who, maybe they do, but nothing's come out yet. And everybody's trying to beat everybody else to a story, but it's just smoke and mirrors. That's all it is at this point. Um, the other thing we do know is that DeAndre is an absolute animal. I mean, DeAndre Ayton is by far the best player in the country right now. Um, I think going forward, he's probably upping his draft status to maybe the number one overall yeah. pick. And when we get closer to the to the draft, uh, it'll be exciting to do some mock drafts between him and Luka Doncic, whatever his name is, and and everyone else that's involved. But right for right now, I'm more excited for. You know, a little tourney talk. Absolutely. Conference tournaments. Absolutely. And St. John's lost today. St. John's, well, you know, UConn went out in their blaze of glory today, too. Great year. Uh, Thanks, Kevin Ollie. Yep, getting down. Uh, I think they were down by 17. Maybe he'll get fired. At one point. I, I mean, I can't imagine why he would stay around. I mean, they, every yeah. every good player that they recruit leaves. I mean, Terry Larrier is leaving already. He's only played a year. He said he wanted to go pro, right? And he's going pro. I mean, he's good entering the him. draft. Enjoy Israel. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Spain if he's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what uh, what tournaments do we want to talk about? Well, the Big Ten was the first one that Michigan. concluded Michigan's Sunday. Up, Michigan just bought themselves probably a three seed, four seed maybe? It, possibly. I mean, they rolled over Purdue, which consensusly seemed like they were the best team in the Big Ten all year. Um, you yeah. know, Michigan State yeah. had their time, but I think – Top to bottom, all year round, Purdue had the best resume, but they did not look good in that game. Um, and now we're in the middle of all the other major tournaments. So the ACC is in Brooklyn, the Big East is in Madison Square Garden. So New York's yeah. taking a lot of attention right I now. I think I I really think that Xavier. This is Xavier's year. They're going to get the one seed. They're not going to win the national title, but I do think they're going to get one of those four one seeds. They're going to win the Big East tournament. I'll, I'm betting on it already, but I think that they're definitely going to win that. As for the ACC, um, I don't know. What do you think about that? You know, you made a good point with Xavier, just to go back to them real quick, because I think 
this year, there's not a dominant team. There's been a couple teams that have looked really good throughout the course of the Villanova year. Villanova is just, like, they live and die by the three too much. Yep. If they're cold, they're in trouble. I mean, Michigan State was probably playing the best basketball up until they lost to Michigan. Purdue, you could say the same thing in the Big Ten. When you look at the ACC, I mean, Duke. Duke's had some really what nice wins. What I find wins. with Michigan State is that every year, everybody, it's Izzo time, it's Izzo time. I mean, he he's gotten bounced out just as much as early, just as much as every other coach. That's what makes it so funny. He's got one. Time. He's got one national title. What was that? Two thousand and three or something? Not like even. That? It was like two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he. I mean, he's always. His team seem to play well down the stretch come tournament time, and they get into the Sweet 16 and Elite 8, but it seems like they just never have that one player that can push them over the edge. Even if they get to the Final Four national title game, it seems like who they're playing is just better. I like Bridges a lot, and I like the other guy. I think his name is Jackson. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they have the firepower besides that. Well, I guess we'll have to find out. Yeah, I mean, I think I always look at a team like Duke, as they got the veteran leadership from Grayson Allen, who <laughs> I cannot stand. Fucking veteran but, <laughs> leadership. He's, an, he's a clown. But but you know what? They rally around him. They love him. And, and you've got uh, you got Begley, who's had a really good season. And you know he's their one and done. And he's going to be a lottery pick this year. He's played well. They got another yeah. a good group of supporting players. They've looked very good throughout the year, with the exception of a couple of losses. One being a St. John's. But... Yeah, you know, I, I, you know what I could see Duke, Duke is Duke. Shashetsky's going to get Duke, them ready. You know, I could see what's going to happen is Duke going out in the Sweet 16. Marvin Bagley having a horrible game against somebody that you know is just Lehigh? moving them, get, get the, <laughs> not even. Yeah, maybe a little bit better of a team, but a, a team that you know doesn't really deserve to be on the floor with them. And then Marvin Bagley getting a couple early fouls, getting a little frustrated, and then the game's over and he declares for the draft five minutes after the game's over. Doesn't even care. That's what I think is going to happen to Duke. Well, I don't think this is their year, to be honest. It very well couldn't be. I, I mean, could be wrong. A couple of years ago, I didn't think it was their year, and they ended up rolling and they beat Wisconsin in the title game. I didn't think that was their best team. Overall, I mean, they had some nice players. That was the Julio Okafor year. Well, the but... reason why they won that championship was because Tyus Jones was had a basketball IQ well above a freshman, and he knew he never made a bad play, and that is the reason why they won that game. And Winslow played out of his mind. He's not that great of a prospect anymore, but at the time he was, you know, I think he was. A, I think he was picked ninth, pick. eighth or ninth yeah, by the yeah, Heat. Yep. Exactly, but Tyus Jones was the reason why they won that championship. Nobody gives him any credit, but he he is has a great basketball IQ, and yeah. he's doing well in Minnesota right now. A lot no, of people he is. Want to see him play over Jeff Teague? This this season, though, in college basketball, there's not that dominant team in any conference. I mean, no, there's some been, there's some great players. I don't, even, I don't even know if it's you want to say there's a lot of parity or it's just like there's not that many good teams. I don't know which one it is to be honest. I think with it's you. probably a little combination of both. Yeah. I mean, there there's some conferences that don't get the notoriety like the Big East that has a team like Xavier that talent wise, if given especially if they can get a number one seed, they could go pretty far. I mean, Villanova the last two years have gone pretty far, including the national title run out of a what we consider a weaker Big East just because this is the new configuration of the conference. but Yeah, I mean, it's very top-heavy, and that's even saying with St. John's being at the bottom. But you got your Carolinas and your Dukes. I never expect Kansas to go on a run. They're, they're, they're a Sweet 16 team, maybe a league. I really want Notre Dame in there because, you know, they lost, um, what's his name, Farrell. 
um, and they lost the big man for like two months out of the season. And I think they would have been a top three seed, top four seed in the ACC tournament, as well as the NCAA tournament well, had they, played, they had them. They played Duke tonight, and you make a good point. I mean, Mike Bray seems to always get a lot out of that team yeah, when I, it comes I, time I, to the I conference tournament. nice revenge game tonight against Coach K, you know? I don't know. I, I mean, Duke's former playing, assistant. Yeah, I mean, Duke's playing for a lot. They want that number one seed. If they go out early, there's no chance they get it. They may mm-hmm. not even get a number two. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I love this time of year, man. I mean, there's, there's oh yeah, I'm so excited. Um, for all know, the dirtiness that college basketball and college athletics have, you know, it's a great time of the it's year. It's a great time of year to gamble, and it's a great time of year to you know have a job because all you do is just watch sports you, at work. Fill out your I mean, brackets. It's always a great time of year to have a job. Of course. Well, but, naturally. <laughs> but, you know, it is a good time of year to where you do absolutely nothing all day for at least three days. You know, prior to this year, um, my annual vacation days for PTO was always the first two days of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or when I was in school, I would always make sure I was not going to class. Yeah, skipping class those days. Class yeah. those days absolutely. Watching 16 games those first two days. Oh, Come yeah. On. I can't wait to gamble on that. It's going to be so much 12 fun. noon to 2 a.m. Yeah, is this yeah. the year that the uh, – the sixteen beats the one. You never know. Well, it's interesting. I was listening to a couple of uh, a couple of experts talking about it, and I still don't think it's going to happen. Was it the Joey Brackets? It was not Joey Brackets. <laughs> it was a couple other guys. Um, but they were saying, you know, f- a fifteen-two could definitely happen this year. But I think that's happened before, right? It's happened a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's so wide open this year with these teams. I don't think that any oh. there's not a dominant team. And if you get a sixteen that's all seniors, or they've been to the tournament a couple other times. They could maybe not win, but they they'll push it close. All right, so let's. I'm gonna pick, you know, an out of the box team that can make a little noise. And Tell you me, can do the same. So, I really like Michigan. I don't. I don't know if they're out of the box at this I point. I mean, winning the really Big Ten hot, tournament is you know, hard to say out but, of the box. But there's a team. I would say an out of the box team is a team that's not a one or a two seed. And I yeah. I, I think Michigan is. I think Michigan's going to make a. I think Michigan might make a Final Four run. Honestly, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. They have a really good you. big man. He can stretch the floor. They have a lot of experience on that team, but I think they're going to make a run. Who do you think? You know, you make a good point with Michigan. You know, being a UConn fan, I've seen UConn make a couple of runs as a five seed or even a seven seed yep. because they got hot going into the tournament. Winning the Big East, the five defense, games in five days. Defense and point guard play. That's yep. what it's all about. Absolutely, the and they they're a well coached team too. They they don't make mistakes in big time moments, which I think is huge. Going. So down. who's your UConn this year? It's hard to it's hard to go against Michigan. I really do think Xavier has what it takes. Yeah. I know they're the Big East. I I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. I think if they can get a one. They they could get to the final four and maybe and maybe push. I mean they have they have good veteran leadership on that team. They're very athletic. Um, well, yeah, they also have you know that one player. The is it Bruett or whatever? Yeah, the, he could take could, over a game exactly like a Kemba Walker. Could. He had twenty plus today against St. John's, and he can he can take over at any time. He's in the running for he's not going to win it, but national player of the year. Yeah, so I'm going to say Xavier. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Xavier in this right, wide I open think, uh, Michigan, wide open year. You pick Xavier. So to wrap it up. College basketball is the most corrupt business in all of America. <laughs> but uh, we can't get enough of it. We don't have this any time answers. And he picks Xavier, and I pick Michigan as some, uh, 
you know, out of the box teams. All right, so next up, what do we have? Uh, Yankees, three weeks till the season. Three weeks, baby. We've been waiting all this time. It's right around the corner. A yeah. couple weeks into spring training, you can you can feel it. Just unwrap my mic stand, PJs. I've been wearing them every single night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, what, 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 did you, what are you taking away so far from the spring? Because you've been watching a little bit more spring training baseball than I have. Yeah, I've been, trying, I've been trying to follow. I mean, you look for what the veterans are doing. Um, obviously, Trey's C. C. trying to get their work in. CC threw last week uh, two perfect innings. He looks good. You know, for me, as long as he gets out of there healthy, I feel the same way with Tanaka. They've had enough seasoning where yeah. even if they get lit up, that's fine with me. Just go out, get through these games, build up your strength, get healthy. Um, Severino had his first appearance today. I know they've been kind of cautious with him yeah. after all the innings he threw last year. He looked good today. He was hitting 98 on the gun. So no, midseason form. Absolutely. So what I'm looking for really are the position battles with some of the young kids and also looking at some of the under-the-radar prospects. I mean, as Yankee fans, it, it's really hard to not be incredibly excited, not just about this year, but going forward, because they have some top-tier prospects that, I don't know if you've seen Billy McKinney, he was part of that Aroldis Chapman trade a couple Did of years ago. Yesterday? He had a grand slam yesterday to beat the Mets. He's got three home runs already. Wow. And he's never going to play on the major league roster. They've worked him out at first base to make him a little bit more um, versatile as well. He's... He's a really good prospect. They're going to have a lot of opportunity to make a Justin Verlander kind of trade this year. Fulmer, baby. I, I would very much like Michael Fulmer oh, in this well, rotation. Yeah, the guy's got locked in until I think like 2021. He's only 24 years old. He's throwing yep. a 97-mile-an-hour sinker, which is perfect for Yankee Stadium. Absolutely. He'd be a great pitcher. But let's talk about that all-star break time. Let's, let's get back into the spring training talk. With some players Sounds that actually have. Sounds good to me. You so can't... what do you think about the, the third base battle? I think Drury's got it. it. Andahar has been absolutely incredible this spring, but he's. It, I just he don't keeps feel this like up, there's three weeks left. Are you going to be able to keep? It, it's like one of those things with the Red Sox with Jackie Bradley. Like what, two, three years ago, he was hitting like they'll keep him down. Five fifty. You think they're going to keep? They'll him down keep him no down. What? On this team, Cashman made it a point to get a Brandon Drury. He wants everyday major league experience players. Andujar is going to come up at some point. Yeah. The what only way I could plays? see him starting, the only way I could see him starting, is if Gleyber Torres isn't ready, or they don't like the other options at second, and they start Drury at second, and they start Andahar at third. Okay, that's really my only now, my only thought think, that Andahar could Drury's, start. You know, uh, you don't think Drury's a scrub, right? No, I think he's very good. He's not just a fielder. No, I mean he hit two seventy with Arizona last year with thirty seven doubles, and a lot of his power. He worked with JD Martinez a lot last year when JD came over, working on his swing, and the Yankees think that. He can convert a lot of those doubles into home runs, and he's a good defender, but he's, he's got some pop. Uh, the, the trade reminded me a lot of that Didi trade. I don't know what you felt about it, but it was kind it of did, buying you know, buying high on yeah. a kid that you know they, has kind of run out of favor with that organization. I mean, good. I that's trust what I everything like Cashman that's what does like now. Okay. So. All right. That's good. So what do you think about the pitching staff? Is it rounding into form? You already talked about it a little bit. but It's rounding into form. 
the rotation has its question marks, I think, like any team. I mean, Tanaka's elbow has been a question mark for the last few years, and he yeah. knocked I mean, on that wood could, seems that could fine. That could be, you know, one of those Adam Wainwright situations where he pitched with, you know, the elbow issues for years. Absolutely. Until he finally went into surgery. He was out for an extended period of time. I think it was like a season and a half. Yep. But, you know, if Tanaka can manage it and rehab it, then whatever. It is what it is. And He's he pitches big pitcher. in big games. Exactly. I don't care if he gives up 10 runs to whoever in, in the first two months as long as he shows up in those big games and we need him against the Red Sox and whoever else and he shows up in the playoffs, who cares? He's going to have a couple shitty games when things don't matter as much, but when it matters, he seems to lock in every time. Absolutely. I think Severino's ready to take that next step and cement himself as one of the AL's best starting pitchers. Gray so. having a full season be, in New York is going to I think be he's going to be a top five Cy Young guy, and I think Gray is going to be great. I think he's You were great. talking high on Cy, Sonny Gray last year before the Yankees even got him. He's, yeah. been, one of, he's been one of your guys for a while. I, you know, I really liked him coming out of Vanderbilt, you know, the David Price Vanderbilt thing. They've really built a good baseball program at, at Vanderbilt, but he's just, he keeps the ball on the ground, he throws decently hard, and he he can, he's a pitcher, which is what you want. He is. You know, he's, not just a, he's not just a thrower, he knows how to pitch. He does, and he's not going to get you deep into games on a consistent basis, because he's a nibbler. He, he, he works yeah. the corners a I'd lot. I'd like to see him go after the strikeout a little bit more, but, you know, whatever. With this I mean, bullpen, though, if exactly. you get five and two-thirds shutout innings and throw 102 pitches... Yeah, we're going to shut the door coming on out that. next. I mean, please. And we don't even, you know, that's in close games. The majority of the games, we're going to be winning probably 25 runs to none, <laughs> something like that. What's the over-under on the average uh, margin of victory this year, Tom? Oh, I'd like, for me, I'm going to set it at mm, eight and a half runs a game. <laughs> I mean, well, the way some teams are tanking, I think that's going to be very easy to get, especially get to play the Rays <laughs> 19 times this year. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, I mean, definitely important to talk about that. All right, so let's talk a little bit about home run totals. So I have pulled up here. We're going to do Yankees. When we get a little bit closer to the season, we'll talk about the rest of Major League Baseball. But for now, we are the Yankee Clippers. We're going to do some big-time Yankee talk for a lot. Um, But we can talk about the rest of baseball just when it gets closer. Yeah, we're a couple weeks away. So I have the Yankees pulled up. Um, Gene Carlos Stanton, 53. Aaron Judge, 37. Gary Sanchez, 30. Gregory Bird, 26. D.D. Gregorius, 20, and then the rest, I mean, I don't really, that's not that important. Around the 15-18 range. So, what do you think about that big stand 53 number? I think it's a little high. I think he's going to hit more like, if I were to give you a square number, like 45. So, 45 is good. I think, really, it depends on how many games he plays. I mean, if he plays, Fangraphs has him playing 137 games. Yep. So... If he plays 137 games, 53 home runs is a little much. You got to take into account, though, he hit 59 last year playing in one of the biggest ballparks in Major League Baseball. That's a good point. So That's a couple a of lazy fly balls for him are going out in Yankee Stadium. That is a good point. But if he only plays 137 games, you know, anything in the 50s is 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 a lot. So I just think, you know, they're going to they're gonna try. I mean, I don't know how you can with this lineup, but they're going to try and pitch around him, you know. Uh, they're going to try, but, I mean, what other options do you have? You're going to well, have Gary. Well, they're going to try, and, 
And when they try, then other players such as Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge are the ones who are going to benefit from that, which is why I think that Aaron Judge is going to hit more than 37. I think he's going to hit like 42, 43. Yeah, I could see that, especially if he's healthy with that shoulder all year. They got him playing 141. I like to think he's going to play. You know, he's a young guy. He's still really durable, and I like to think he's going to play more than that. Yeah, I think what's going to be interesting with the way that the games are played, it's not going to be so much a health uh, situation. It's going to be more you're going to just have to get guys in the lineup. So we can both agree that Aaron Judge is going to hit more than 37 home runs. Yeah, he's in the 40s. Yeah, Uh, Gary Sanchez, 30. I feel that that's a little low as well. I think it's low. I agree with you. I think, like, people have to take into account, I think the Yankees are going to win, like, a crazy amount of games in double digits this year. I think they're going to have a lot of games where you're seeing pitchers that are just trying to get out of games. You're going to see a lot of high-scoring games. There's going to be a lot of overs for these yeah. games because I think the Yankees are going to easily put up maybe six, seven runs a game, which I know is hard to believe. But, I mean, when you're in an MLB season, when you're facing the back end of the rotation, there's that's some bad teams this exactly. year too, and Tom. That's going to that's going to skew the the numbers of how you know when the Yankees put up. 20 runs on the Orioles' number five starter, right. you know, it's going to skew them to six, seven runs a game. And that's when you're going to see guys like, you know, Gary Sanchez may have a three home run game. You never know. Gary Sanchez didn't play basically all of the first month of the season last year after getting hurt in the fifth game of the season, and he yep. hit 33 home runs. Yeah. So 30 is definitely low. I agree with you. I think he's going to hit more in like the 35. Yeah, you know, to give us and he's going to hit you 285 as well. Yeah, he's, you know, I mean, the, a lot of the experts do say it all the time. He's the best hitter on the team, pure yep. hitter. I, I guess I could agree with that, although the next guy we have on the list, Gregory Bird, is a pretty good pure hitter as well. Um, they got him at 26. I'm going to go a square 30. How many games do they have him playing with his durability questions? 118. Now, I also have to preface this by saying, and this is a perfect world scenario for me, where no one on the Yankees ever gets hurt. <laughs> and I'm also a billionaire, but no one on the Yankees ever That's gets a pretty hurt. Good life except there, Jacoby Ellsbury. He gets hurt for the rest of the year and has to retire, and the Yankees get to collect insurance money on him. Knock on wood. Sorry. Sorry. I'll take that with you. Um, so, Greg Bird, 26 bombs in 118 games. If he only plays 118 games, that's a fair number. But I think he's going to play a few more, and I think he's going to hit right around 30, 29-30. For as great of a pure hitter as he is, his swing is just beautiful for that short porch and right. I could see him hitting 30 Yeah, to he's got a lot of lift to his swing. So. He does. The next guy we got on the list, and the last one that I think we're going to talk about, because then it dips from 15 home runs and down with Hicks. Guardy, they got a 15, which is a little high. That's a little high. I like He did that, that last like that. year. Yeah. but uh, he he was hot when he had that game against the Cubs that just set him off when he hit when he hit that uh, home run to put them ahead. He, the, after that, he just went on an absolute tear. He always hits him in bunches. Between, between playing time and just I don't see him doing that again, he, I don't think he'll do that again. No. But let's but, go to Didi. Let's see what Didi has. Didi's got 137 games, 20 bombs. I think Didi is looking a little bit bigger this year. I don't know what you think. I mean, I think he's going to hit like 24, 25. I'd be excited for that. Didi hit 25 last year, and he hit 22 the year before that. Yeah, 20 is a little low. They've been, they were real, minus 10. They were really conservative with this list. It's funny that you brought up Gardner before time because I feel like Didi does a lot of the same kind of damage that Gardner does, where he'll hit one for the first time in a week and a half. And then he goes on a tear where he'll have five and seven games. 
So he hits his home runs in bunches as well. And once again, that lefty pop at Yankee Stadium, he's got more of that uppercut yeah. swing, even though he, he's got good line drive pop too. That's that's Yankee Stadium damage. I think the two biggest things that stand out to me besides Giancarlo looking a little high there with 53 is Judge at 37 and Sanchez at 30. I think those are both just just way too low. The question is with sites like this, fan graphs, where they handle all the Saber metrics and all of their projections, is you know Aaron Judge has only been up for one season. He went nuts. I think people are going to question you know, the legitimacy of those 52 home runs, not from the fact that he's not a home run hitter, but that's a crazy amount for anybody to consistently do that. Giancarlo's built up about, that equity. Think but. about how much easier of a time he's going to have being pitched to with all these guys around him. Oh, ideally, yeah. I, I agree. So I think that you could argue that him last year, it would be more of a surprise that he hit 52 last year than this year if it's all said and done because he's just going to have the opportunity to see a lot more good pitches to hit out. You got to keep in mind too. He went through about a six-week span last year in the middle of the season where he couldn't get a hit at all. Yeah. So yeah. he, if it wasn't for a strong September, he would have finished in the high 30s, low 40s. I just hope to see him continue the trend of, you know, I had a few, I had a few things that I wasn't great at, and then last season, you know, the season before that, he was not good at all. He strikes um, you as that kind of guy, though, right? That, that just tries to improve on whatever his flaws he's are. Never, he's never complacent, and that's why you know Yankee fans compare, compare him to Jeter a lot. Yeah, you know, uh, the Jeter thing, uh, he, it's he's early, it's premature. Me. I don't want to... I don't want to compare him to, you know, I don't want to sound like a Yankee boy. That just no, but you can understand him. where the no, comparisons yeah, come from. He doesn't get into trouble or whatever, you know. But, I mean, he's Aaron Judge to me, and, and he's a great player. Absolutely. I just hope that he improves upon the talent that he has. Absolutely. Um, so you want to talk Combine? I'd love to talk Combine. All right. We're so seven weeks I'm going to let you take the lead on this one because, you know, it seems like you've been just watching the entire Combine. You really like guys in underwear, huh? Oh, very funny. Uh, no, um, I've been listening to a lot of uh, a lot of different um, analysts talking about where guys stack up post combine. I mean, the tough thing. Right, let's the just NFL go ahead season, and say that Saquon Barkley is a freak of nature. Saquon Barkley even... is absolutely ridiculous. But I swear, if my Giants take him at two, I'm not. I'm oh, not they, feeling the Giants that. are the owner. <laughs> that's right. I listen. I owned three wins last year, so. <laughs> I'm ready for a change. What do you think the Giants should do? Well, first of all, with the combine, Todd McShay put out his third his third mock draft, and what was really interesting is he did keep Saquon at two with the Giants. Before I go into anything like that, I I thought what was really interesting was Josh Allen, which was who was number one on both Kuiper and McShay's big board in their top two uh, mock drafts. They have him going six now. To I your know. Jets. And what's weird is he seems to have put up the best numbers of anyone, too. So it's just... The Combine is really... I can understand the importance of it. And I can understand putting out a mock draft right after it. But what doesn't make sense to me is he was number one in all their eyes before it. Then he went out and performed the best out of all of them for what the combine is, which is just putting raw numbers out there and showing how good of an athlete you are. So he was number one before that. He was the best during it. So why is he lower now? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. I I think really what it is is these guys go in circles with their prospects because going into the year it was – Rosen, Darnold, Darnold, Rosen, whichever, whoever you talk to. And now, 
I mean, they have Rosen going 15 of the Cardinals and yeah. Darnold going one. So I think they're going to consistently change. I think change. Rosen left everybody with a sour taste in their mouth just with some of the comments that he made, which, I mean, who cares? I mean, so he's got a hot tub in his dorm room. You're saying you wouldn't if you yeah, could? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> that and on top of, and it's like he didn't have the best combine, but – I think I think that whoever he falls to, I think he's going to be a good NFL player. Yeah. Um, but what the what the hell do I know? But that's the thing. It's such a crapshoot. What the hell do they know? It's such a crapshoot. It's such a crapshoot, and that's why the combine. I'm not a fan of it, even though I understand why people look at it. You're you're throwing away an entire season's worth of work or a college career's worth of work and just putting them in quantifiable yeah. measurements, which really does not indicate a great player. Exactly. Uh, you think you think Deshaun Eli Watson, Manning was yeah. wowing people with his well, yeah. speed in the combine? And, and look at Lamar Jackson, who's getting shit on it. It's just like he was. Uh, the best player in college football for the last two years, probably. Of course. You know, and, and Baker Mayfield's a winner, although he's, like, grabbing his crotch against Kansas. <laughs> I thought that was great, but that's just because, you know, I, I think that shit's funny. You know, I people mean, are afraid of him being Manziel 2.0. That's – I don't think he is, the, but the that's – The scariest thing for me is that he could not run that police officer at Oklahoma. If you can't outrun a cop – I mean, come on. Are you going to be outrun, be able to outrun a defensive end? You uh, outrun Miles no. Garrett? I don't think so. No, I, I think, think Jason so Pierre-Paul could grab him with his one hand and bring yeah, him down. That's true. Um, but I, what was interesting, just real quick, is when you mentioned Mayfield, they have him going 11 at the Dolphins, which might spell the end of the Ryan Tannehill era, which really hasn't been much of an era because when has he been healthy? I just don't understand. Ryan Tannehill, I mean, it's like basically a taller version of Baker Mayfield. I yeah. Mean, not the best arm. You want to talk about measurables. He had all the quarterback measurables after one year playing quarterback. How'd that work out? Well, yeah, he was wide receiver. At yeah. what, he started A&M. over Manziel, like his mm-hmm. Manziel retro. Yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, but going back to the combine and, and the mock draft, Tom, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Saquon Barkley could be the greatest running back in the history of the NFL. You cannot take a running back at two if you're looking for your no, next franchise quarterback. No. Because if you look back at the last couple drafts, I mean, just look at last year's draft. I mean, if you think about it, had the um, Jacksonville Jaguars taken Deshaun Watson as opposed to Leonard Fournette with their pick, they probably would have been in the Super Bowl as opposed to you know, Leonard Fournette, who wasn't as great of a player as everybody thought he was, the season warmed down when at the beginning of the season he said something like the NFL is the easiest thing ever. I've never played a professional sport, but I don't I, I would think it's not that easy. The thing with Fournette is he had a very good year, but if you look at him being drafted number four to Jacksonville and the year before that with Elliott being drafted three by Dallas, look at those offensive lines. Absolutely. And the other thing is that it's like you, how many good running backs came out of the draft last year? And there was good undrafted running backs. It's a very, very, um, you know, the position is just, it's not as strong as other positions at the top end. Not in this area era of the NFL, Exactly. No. I mean, you have guys like Kareem Hunt. What did he go in the fourth round? He was a fourth-round pick. You guys have you have Alvin Kamara, who was a second-round pick. You have guys on the Chargers like Austin Eckler, who made an impact. He was an undrafted free agent, who Phillip Rivers just said he liked him, happened to make the roster. Collins from out. Baltimore, out of Arkansas. He was, I don't he even was think he, he was... was cut by... Um, I forgot the team that cut him. He was but, a sixth round pick. 
Yeah, he, he didn't even make the starting roster for another team, and then Baltimore scooped him up. But the point is, you know, I don't think they should take him at two either, although he, he would be like an immediate impact player. I don't, And they do have a short lifespan running backs in the NFL. They do. The, you know, the thing is, is that as an Eli so apologist. So what do you want them to take in the, with the second? Take pick? the best quarterback available. Take the best quarterback available. Even, okay. even, if, even if Cleveland takes, unless you're not sold on any of them, then trade out of the second pick. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's that's what they got to do. How about for your Jets? What are you thinking? If if Josh Allen falls at six, like McShay, if Josh thinks, Allen falls, I mean, well, I, I we got to re- rehash this conversation um, after free agency. Fair, fair, you know, because they're they're in the Kirk Cousins running. Um, I'd like to see them at number six if Josh Allen falls, unless they know a lot more than we do. If if they think he's worth the six pick, then take him. Stop being cute. Stop trying to take. I don't want another cornerback or whatever. You know. You guys are built in the secondary. You oh, shouldn't yeah, have no, been absolutely. taking a corner have, or safety for a while. They have two great safeties, and I think they're going to make a move on Malcolm Butler or somebody else on the cornerback market. Um, as for the Jets, if they if they can get a guy like Cousins. Then that opens up for you if if Chubb falls to you, or they can get the offensive line out of Notre Dame. Then your team is it's looking strong to pair Chubb with a guy like um, Leonard Williams. You know they'd probably have some of the be- one of the best D lines in, in the in the, the league as well as one of the better secondaries. I agree. Um, and then if a guy like Lamar Jackson can fall to you in the second round. You know, then you're in business because you have a lot of cap space. You can go after a guy who the Jaguars just said they're not going to sign, and Allen Robinson, who I understand is coming off a bad ACL, but he's only 24 years old. Usually, people are pretty resilient. You know, at a young age, that's an injury. If you that put Allen Robinson from. with Curse, I mean, that's a pretty good. And you're getting Nunwa back. Kirk. Oh, Jermaine Curse. Curse. Jermaine oh. Curse. Just relax. <laughs> just relax. <laughs> Um, I thought you were having a seizure there. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Um, but no, I I think that Allen Robertson would be a great pickup. It, you're right. We have to talk about this once. Absolutely. That's and why the there's five thing, mock drafts. The other thing I want to see is how because you have to keep in mind, you know, they have Curse. They have as long as he can keep his ass out of jail. They have Robbie Anderson who really <laughs> he, he really ain't playing another game for you guys. You don't think so? No, not a chance. It would be nice if he did. And they have a Noonwa coming back who has neck I issues. I feel like once you threaten to sexually assault the police officer's wife who pulled you over, probably gonna oh, not please. work out. Oh please! Well, well, that'll be settled in court. You're not a lawyer. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> All right, so I, I wouldn't think- play for my team. Oh, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Oh, my God. Your kicker was the biggest piece of shit ever. I wanted him gone the second that that happened. Well, you were how is a kicker expendable? How is a kicker <laughs> worth keeping? You already claimed that you were the owner of the team. You should have figured that one out. All right, we're going to wrap things up. We'll be back soon with a little more talk about... The uh, bracket, because at that time it should be right around Selection Sunday. I'm getting pretty excited. And the Yankees will be closer. Hopefully, um, you know, we get a few more mock drafts out, mock draft 7.0, 8.0. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening.